Welcome to another Pint with Shawnee B, coming to you today from Miami. I have my first Argentinian guest ever on the podcast, yes. uh, a man who is uh, one of the great creative directors of global advertising, from his beginnings in Buenos Aires to running one of the most progressive agencies in America today called The Community, and his name is Jose Moja. Did I get your name right? Yeah, it's actually uh, Moja. Because he has an accent in the in the A, and and the L's are always pronounced like it's a very different Spanish, you know. Right, Jose, you've set up this uh, company with your brother. Yes. In two thousand and one, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about what this company is doing today and uh, what its origins were? Well, I used to work at uh, Wyden and Kennedy in Portland. I was the, the international creative director for right. Nike, so a lot of the global work. My definition of Portland is that it's a great place to be a tree. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> like rain, it, it, rains, rain, yeah. it rains all the time. and I think people hug you more there if you're a tree than, than if you're a person. <laughs> so, you know, I was paying a high price with uh, my personal life. So we decided to, I decided to move to Miami and to open La Comunidad and the community with my brother. We met in the Virgin Islands. Uh, we got a sailboat mm-hmm. on our own with no crew for like 10 days sailing. Right. We fill it with rum and uh, we start talking, hey, what if we do our own thing? You know, we, well, how, how will we call it? You know, then we call it, decide to call it the community to pay tribute to what really makes an agency special. It's basically the people. Yeah. yeah, and after that trip, we said, okay, let's do it. You know, so we, we opened in uh, Buenos Aires and in Miami at the same time, 15 years ago. We opened here in, in the U.S. with no clients at all. Um, then you open, you know, and, and, and the first day you are there with having nothing to do and, and the phone doesn't ring and you're like, oh shit, what, what the hell did I do? You know, I realized. How long did it take the phone to start ringing? I think we were lucky because the first two or three campaigns that we did here uh, with uh, MTV and VH1, mm-hmm. that is uh, some clients from Miami, won a lot of awards you know uh, so, so we started making noise from yeah. from the beginning right. but for us it was always about the work not that we don't like money but it was never never the the intention so our priority from the get-go was to to do interesting work yeah. you know? when I first came to America I was amazed because there was a clear very clear division between Advertising for white people, advertising for Hispanic people, and advertising for black people. Yeah. And I worked on big brands that all had their own little agencies doing specific African-American work or specific uh, Hispanic work. And all the ads, even the stuff we were doing, were crap. But they were also cliched. And you were one of the first agencies to try and break that. That model was, was really created to defend a business model yeah, from yeah. agencies. It's not in sync with uh, what's happening out there. And, and how people live their lives. It was all about, hey, don't mess with, with the Hispanic uh, segment. You, you don't know them. Uh, you're going to make a mistake. And you need me because I know everything about these people. For us, it's actually the opposite. We start the process saying, we don't know. Of course, we know a lot. We've done a lot of work and a lot of this. But when you start a process saying, okay, we don't know. Let, let's find out what is going what is going on right now, that's when you get to the to the interesting stuff. Yeah, if you start a process saying, okay, I know everything, then you end up in the same yeah. old uh, cliches. I do believe that multicultural agencies 
eventually should disappear. Yeah. But I, I think today a lot of multicultural, I don't know, being multicultural gives you an edge or a very interesting perspective on, on the total market in the yeah. US yeah. because everything is multicultural, yeah. really. I, I think that the Hispanic term, Hispanic and all that has also been used to justify bad work. Yeah. You know? Maybe you need to become the uh, advisor to America Inc. because really we're living in a time when a lot of those divisions are being pronounced and accentuated out there. We have a, a racist strain going through all conversations yeah. out there right now, which is extremely unfortunate. The, what's happening now is bringing to the surface something that has always been there. Yes, yeah. You know? yeah. So, but you yeah. kind of think it's gone away. It? No. Yeah. Uh, Jose is the first guy I've met whose father and grandfather set up uh, ad agencies back in Argentina. I've never met anybody who's a, a third generation oh, ad yes. person. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because advertising as a business really only came into its own in the, in the 20s and 30s. Tell me a little bit about your grandfather setting up his business and it's, we, it's, we talk about your early life in Buenos Aires. It's interesting because I try to avoid advertising for, for, for many years. I, I was the, the sailing coach of right. the, oh, really? the Spanish uh, sailing team oh. for like years. Olympics. Uh, yeah, World Cups. And, and, right. and I actually started uh, late in... in in advertising, but but I love it. So yeah, my grandfather opened one of the first agencies in in Argentina. Back then, the the way to to stay current was to take a ship from Argentina, uh, get to Europe, probably take three weeks to get there, walk the streets of Paris, and and find painters. Ah, yes. You know that were cool. So my grandfather brought Maussana, a lot of the famous French poster painters yeah. from Argentina. Yeah. So then he would bring them back to Argentina, and and, and so stuff would really pop there. My father has this uh, amazing collection of, of all these handmade posters. Yeah, they're beautiful. You know, back then they're beautiful. They're amazing. My father uh, worked with my grandfather for a while. Then he opened his own agency. And of course, yeah. there's a great business saw adage that says. You know, the grandfather makes it, the father builds it, and then the, the sons bust it. Yes. <laughs> so you, you yes. haven't done that yet. Yes. You've carried on the tradition with Yeah, God. yeah. And actually, it's interesting. In advertising, every, everyone wants to be doing something different. Like, art directors want to be painters. A lot of writers want to write novels or, or film. Uh, I love advertising. You know, yeah, I yeah. think it's, it's, it's great. It's, it, it's, it's fun. You're always diving into different worlds. I mean, yeah. you, you learn so much about all the all the products that you work for you know yeah. and, and then you go out and you, you think of something completely yeah. uh, different so. I mean I think it's fun and part of I can feel your passion still and your eyes light up and you're still interested but there's a certain dulling process that goes on in the bigger agencies and I think a lot of that has to do with what you said about making money and ignoring the work and ignoring the creative people but I've covered I've covered that ad nauseum but it's good to see <laughs> it's, it's good to see a play I mean we're, we're having this interview in Jose's offices in Miami and it's a buzzy place and people seem happy and they seem like they're having fun yeah at least they pretend to be <laughs> what was it like growing up in, in uh, Buenos Aires super fun there was like no rules when I was a kid it was like come back for dinner at 9 they yeah. had no clue where I was you know yeah. it was like a lot of freedom I'm always grateful that I was formed professionally in, in Buenos Aires because it's a great training ground. You get used to do a lot with nothing. 
I think what's good about Argentina and Latin America is there's always room for, for emotions to drive the process, mm. you know? And, and at the end of the day, you communicate with, with people that are also emotional and, and you want to trigger emotions. You yeah. want to make that connection. So, I was growing up in Dublin around the same time and we're a similar age. For me, the, one of my earliest memories was the 78 World Cup in Argentina with uh, Passarella and Kempes and oh my God, yeah, Martínez. And like, just the sheer... I mean, I was only a kid then, but I mean, we played Holland in the final and it was like... 3-1 or something and then the, the country itself was always on the news for you know having a thousand percent uh, interest going up interest rates going up and um, it's quite, but, but it's interesting because the war hit then in 82 and we were all over that in Ireland as well so. it's interesting because that mentality affects I mean if, if you see the uh, like advertising in Argentina compared to the size of the market mm. is, is super good it's probably one of the best in the world I, agree, if, yeah. if, I mean we're like 50 million people Everything is so unpredictable. I always say that in Argentina, when you when you learn all the answers, they change the questions. You cannot plan ahead for too long. Too, too long, you know. It's like so. So brands is like okay, let's see what we're gonna do next month or or in two months. But yeah. you're never talking about a year ahead. Here in the US, you talk about sometimes a year and a half ahead. You know, yeah. it's. But the good side of that is that there's not a lot of time to overthink. Yeah, well, there's not enough money often to research things to death as well. Which yeah, is and to overthink. So, yeah. so it's more like, okay, yeah, this seems great. This is cool. You know, whatever. Okay, let's do it. And that's, so the result is a little bit more uh, pure, more fresh, yeah, yeah. if you will. You know? What was it like in school growing up? School was um, wild. In what way? <laughs> it was a lot of, in every way, man. I remember now a lot of things that we used to do, and it was... It was a bit crazy. Uh, See, a lot of freedom. A lot of freedom, yeah. You used a lot to, of freedom. I read somewhere that you used to chase uh, uh, fire brigades, fire so, engines. I actually started, I started writing because of that. We, uh, we used to, you know, smoke a lot of things. Um, and, uh, <laughs> You're being free. We all, we, we all had uh, motorcycles. It's like, a, I don't know, 15, 20 friends. So we always would hang out in, in one corner. But one day we decided to go... There was a fire station not far, so we decided to start hanging out on the on the fire station, you know. Yeah. And uh, basically, as soon as the trucks were will go out, we will start chasing them on the on the motorbikes. It was like real TV things. Like a movie. The things that we saw, because you get there and you have the whole house in flames and it's drama, it's like whatever or. Or sometimes it's something stupid, but it's, you never know, you know. Yeah. So cat stuck up a tree. Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, Let's go back. so I, I started like writing all those stories. I think that's how I got into into writing. But it was it was fun. Did yeah. you go to college? I did some. Yeah, like a, like three years of uh, there was an advertising school. It's not college per se, yeah, but it's a, I didn't and and then I did like a like a portfolio thing, you know, yeah. for like a, yeah. a year. At what point did you want to? Did you know you were creative and you wanted to get into the creative industry? I figured that out pretty early. I realized that, I mean, yeah, you have you have more pressure, and and, and if you are a creative, at at some point, sooner or later, you you face the cliff and, and you're alone. But I don't know. I, I thought from the beginning that was that was the fun part of this. I know in Brazil, advertising is a real rock star glamour. Uh, sort of industry was it the same in Buenos Aires? No, not I mean more than here, but not so much like in Brazil. What does happen all the time that is great is that advertising becomes part of pop culture. Like yeah. you, you write something and you run the like a like a spot and and it becomes a hit. 
and in, in, in three days everyone is using what you wrote in, uh, in their dialogues yeah, you know like yeah. it, it really influences quickly it's rare for that to happen here now or in super Britain. rare I mean was up was one but no like, listen I, I, I can't think of many like li- when I, when I moved here I was shocked I, I, I thought all the advertising here was like that yeah. and uh, when I moved here and I watched TV I was like the percentage of, of good advertising is, is not that high I remember coming to America and they, they have the Super Bowl Sunday here where that day all the advertising just during the game is really really good and I thought why don't they just reverse that so that every day all the advertising is really good on one yeah. day they have a bad, a bad day um, what prompted you then to uh, sort of decide to uh, move to America so you were working in BBDO in, in, in um, I was I was the head of uh, BBDO and things were going great. I mean, we became uh, agency of the year and winning more international awards than any other agency. And business was great. Everyone was happy. I, I was working for David Rato, that is the god of yeah, it's the, yeah. it's the Dan Wyden of Argentina. You know, he mm-hmm. he put two presidents in the office. I mean, like yeah. big guy. I, I had the Nike account right. in Buenos Aires, ah, okay. and I was dying to have. Like, uh, work with the swoosh in, 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 in my portfolio, you know? Yeah. So I kept presenting ads and they keep telling me, listen, these ads are great, but we need to run what, what comes from the US. We don't have mm-hmm. budget to produce this. So I gave up. I think I did like 17 ads and I gave up. And somehow those ads made it to uh, Dan Wyden. I got a call from out of the blue. Like, hey, that guy is speaking in English. I'm, I'm Dan Wyden. I was like, oh, come on. Who the hell is this, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, he said, listen, I've seen your work. I want to meet you, so come to to see me in, in Portland. You know, he invited me to go. I was so lost that I thought I was going to Portland, Maine. You know, <laughs> uh, like, oh, it's close to also New York. Nice, but it's also close to New York. Also rainy. Yeah, it was actually Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So yeah, I went and made me this offer. And when I talked to to David, you know, I said, David, like this this thing, ha- it's one of those things that happens once in your lifetime. You know, I yeah. I, I, I think I have to go. And he said, Jose, that's one of the things that happens that never happens in your lifetime. So if, if you don't go, I'll kill you. you know? <laughs> but, you know, I worked in, in just two agencies before opening my own. I'm not one of those guys that... You know, I, I've often thought about it, but I've never managed to um, get a call from Dan Wyden or anybody in uh, Wyden Kennedy, actually. But uh, I've, I've often wondered um, or dreamt about what it would be like going in there with such a great legacy of great work behind. Most of the legacy work I've been responsible for has been shit so you can't all you can do is make the same shit or you can make it better but you have such a kind of a high bar that when you go in as a creative into into working on brands like listen some people said yeah like in, in, uh, in an agency like that everything is set up for you to produce good work yeah. and it's like well first you compete with all the work that has been created yeah. already but second for me it's like it's like saying yeah, but like an F1 car is, is a fast car. And it's like, sure, now go drive it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> then you have to drive it. Yeah. So and you have to win the world championship again. Yeah. Just like you did last year. Yeah. But, but uh, I'm, I'm sure that... I, I could have stayed there. I mean, actually, when I left and, and I had a very long conversation with Dan, I said, Dan, I, I can stay here. You, you are so great. This agency is so great. And, and my job is so great that I have to leave now. Because if not, I'm gonna stay in Portland, Oregon for 20 years, and, and one day I'm gonna realize what I've done, and I'm gonna kill myself. You know, so, so yeah, so exactly. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about the sailing. How did that all come about? So I used to uh, I used to compete a lot when I was a kid. Right. You know, I did a few workups for Argentina, and uh, 
Sailing what? 420s or lasers? Or? I started with Optimist, right. you know, and then uh, moved to Cadet, that is an S, and then lasers, and then uh, Moth Europe's, and then 470s. It's one of those things that if you're Argentinian, like being a shrink is, is good, yeah. being a dentist is yeah. good, yeah. Uh, advertising is pretty good, and, and sailing. Steakhouses. Yeah, and steakhouses. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> So because of that, I, I then moved to Spain and I got a job working for the uh, Spanish Sailing Federation. And what age were you uh, then? I was like 20, 20. So this is before you went into advertising? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I stayed there for like... But that sounds like a great job. What made you... It was great. I used, to train, I used to train all these kids. They were like 13, 13 year old, like yeah. optimists. Uh, actually, I got one guy who became uh, the national champion of Spain. Uh, so I, I, you train them hard, and, and there was uh, this is the limit between France and, and, and Spain. So on, on the France side, at the end, there was a, a, a nude beach. Uh, my bribe with the kids was like, okay, we train for like three hours hard, and then I take you to the nude beach, you know, to see the girls. Okay, let's go. <laughs> but what made you decide to give that up and go back into advertising? What was this? Or because go into advertising? I don't know. I felt like a calling to, to do some. I, I mean, you can do that for the rest of your life, but then it's, it's more like a. I don't know, hippie kind of life. It's a great life, but yeah. but I, I guess I felt like an, an intellectual challenge, okay. you know? You're still very much involved in the sea and boats. And you, oh, yeah, you, you, I'm you live on the water. I'm like, fishing and stuff. I, I kite surf a lot. Right. Uh, I had my gear in my car all day, and uh, yeah, I spearfish every weekend. There so the story people. I've heard about you a lot, which everyone keeps mentioning, and I have not heard the actual story, neither have my listeners, which you must tell properly, is... You had a brush with a shark once. Oh yeah, that's gonna that shark is gonna follow me for the rest of my life. I guess. Yeah. So my ideal idea of, of vacation is to to go somewhere and and normally I, I spearfish everything we eat for the whole week. You know, I like or or sitting on a boat or a house. So this time we got a house in in Bahamas, beautiful house, and the house came with with a boat. The, the only condition is that the caretaker of the house have to take you to whatever you go you, you want. Uh, so this house is in Exuma, so it's, it's deep Bahamas. So that day, I've been spearfishing the whole week. I didn't see any sharks. That that's weird in Bahamas because you see sharks. That day, the boat took us to like a sandbar, far away from the house, in the middle of now, beautiful. And thank God, the guy decided. You know, usually he he would leave us there and then pick us up at the end of the day and that day he said you know what I'm, I'm going to stick around we are kind of far away so so he anchored the boat on the other side of the the sandbar we couldn't even see him I was there with my wife my little girls my, my, my friend and I, I was looking for a conch you know I wasn't yeah. even going to fish because I had I had like two big snappers in the, in the fridge for the night you know right. and I said you know what I'm going to take the, the pole spear just in case as safety so I started swimming 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 and then I saw like a, a conch, but after that I saw like an amazing reef, the most beautiful reef I ever seen in my life. And I wasn't going to fish, I got into the reef and then I saw a grouper in the perfect position, you know, so I, I shoot, boom, I kill the fish, in, in, you know, instantly, it was the perfect shot. So I grabbed the fish and then I started swimming back to the boat. Leaving a trail of grouper blood behind you. Yes, <laughs> and out of nowhere, you know, suddenly I felt like, a, like a, an electric shock on my body basically because of the nerves so so of course you're facing down when you're swimming the first thing you do is you turn up so when I turn my leg was in the 
in the shark's uh, mouth. So what the sort of shark was it, first of all? It was a lemon shark. Right. Okay. Uh, my size, more or less. Right. And uh, what happened is the whole calf, you know, got like ripped open. And suddenly I turned and, 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 and we were both looking at each other, the shark and, and me. Like, you know, those three seconds that in your mind that are like 10 minutes. Yeah. And suddenly, boom, the shark leaves. Right. I look at my leg and it's ble- it was bleeding like crazy. And I look around, I was far from the boat and I thought, shit, okay, more sharks are coming. And, and the survival instinct is amazing. And the first thing I thought was, okay, if drop I'm going, if I'm, yeah, drop <laughs> the rubber. If I'm going down, I'm going down Fight. fighting. Yeah. So I grabbed my leg, you know, with, with one hand and I, and I started swimming backwards and I was pointing with a, with a ball spear waiting for more sharks to, to yeah. come. When it got shallower, you know, I started calling my friend, you know, he came, like, he was in shock, so I was telling him what to do. Finally, he got the boat to come, I don't know, 40 minutes later. Luckily, you had mobile phones, yeah? No, 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 not there, because I was worried. How did you get the boat to come? Well, no, the guy had to run, you know, go around the island, get the boat to come. No, no, it wasn't like, and I mean, when you're bleeding, you don't know if if you're going to bleed to death or not. So the boat came, I got into the boat, the boat looked like a... Jackson Pollock painting, you know, it was like horrible. I actually, I never want to forget it. I saw a piece of, of, of myself detached from me, you know, uh-huh. on, the, on, the, on the boat. And then we have to go and pick up my wife and little daughters, you know, everyone's freaking out, like crying in shock. So I got to the um, little emergency room in Exuma that basically is like nothing. It's a god and a bad painted wall. And uh, it took like 40 minutes to find her, like a nurse. And finally she came, she looked, and she said, okay, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that the main artery was spared, so you're not going to bleed to death. You would have been dead by then anyway. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. The bad news is that this is so big that there's nothing we can do here. So you can either call your insurance in Miami and wait for like nine hours. I should have done that. Or you can take our little plane, you know, we take it to Nassau, this hospital. They, you know, it happens here, so they know what how to treat it, whatever. It was a Cessna from the 50s. You know, the most dangerous part was the flight and the ambulance. You know, it was like, it almost killed me three times. But basically, it took me 10 hours to get uh, surgery. And what did they have to do? Rebuild your calf muscle? Or? So the, the Achilles tendon was cut off and, the, and the, yeah, there were a lot of nerves that they have to put back together. But you don't know who, who do you get. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, thank God she was a plastic surgeon, so she cared a lot about the details. Yeah. I think the surgery was like three hours. She told me, I, I, you got like more than 95 stitches. I stopped counting at 95. Like, and she wow. said, that there is a nerve that carries the feeling, you know, from yeah. your brain to your yes. foot. If that nerve gets cut off, your foot is left uh, hanging and eventually yeah. they have to chop it off. So she told me the shark touched the nerve, but didn't cut it. So are you, you're going to be able to do everything. You're going to be able to run, kite surf, do everything you were you, you were doing before. But you couldn't be closer. You couldn't be closer from losing your your foot. I was like, oh my god. So did you actually hit the shark, or do you remember? Was it was there a struggle? Why did the shark let it go? Because if if you read a, like a, about shark attacks, they never they never eat people. It's, yeah. it's very rare that they, they usually try and 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 normally when they, they realize, realize yeah. Now if if it's a white shark. You, you lost a, lost a leg, yeah, you know, in, yeah. in that trial. People people bleed to death normally. Yeah. So then I have to get a, a like a, a special flight, you know, to come back like from from Bahamas and all that. And and I was 
staying at home waiting and then, <laughs> the funny story I got, I, there's a friend that lives in, in Battle Beach it's like two hours north here in Florida and he comes to visit me you know and we were sitting for like talking about it for like an hour and suddenly I realized that he has a, like a cooler and it's like Santi what's, what's up with that cooler it's a oh man Revenge time! I got I got like a like a shark here, like a like neighbor uh, fish a shark. So he brought it so, to grill it, you know, to eat the shark. <laughs> that was our lunch. <laughs> but I'm actually now helping uh, sharks. I, right. I work with Oceana because sharks are, are in deep trouble, yeah, you know, yeah. because nobody cares about them and, yeah. and and what they're doing with the with the fins and all that is is yeah. just horrible, you know. So. What was it like going back into the water the, when you had to through the well, that's the, th- the first thing I told my wife. It's like, honey, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. I have to tell you, like, uh, uh, you know, you have to get back on the horse. It's good. You know, I do it, I, I do it differently. I'm, I'm a bit more careful now, but um, I'm good. I don't so have it was the blood from the grouper that probably brought the shark to you, was it? Yeah, yeah. You smell like a, you yeah. smell like, like a dying fish, you know, for sure. Wow, so, okay, well, that was the first on a pint with Shawnee B, a shark attack. Um, yep. the, in, a, in a more macro sense, without talking about advertising and marketing, what, what's your view on, on, on the world today and where it's going you know, in a general sense? What's happening now is, is the dark side of globalization. A, a lot of the things that are happening has been, have been happening for, for centuries. Mm-hmm. The difference is that one guy, one crazy guy, that uh, gets a hold of a, of a, of a gun and, and a truck goes to in Nice and, and hits all those people in the street. That is is the most basic form of, of, of an attack. That guy creates panic all around the world. It's not what the guy did so much because things like that has been happening forever. There's always a crazy guy doing something like that, but the 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 amplification of that and the speed and the terror that yeah. only one person can cause all around the world paralyzing like it, it, that's super scary are you yeah. optimistic about the future like you said you have two daughters I mean are you optimistic about the future or pessimistic or where do you see it going? I'm I'm optimist I'm an optimistic guy I mean my nature is I enjoy life a lot the problem is as long as this uh, crazy people get the, the attention that they're getting, there, there's, there's always going to be someone willing to do something crazy, just yeah. to be known for that, you know? And the, uh, this whole idea that your company propagates of, you know, multiculturalism, I mean, that has a huge role as well in the grander scheme of the world, because we're starting to become, in my view, a little bit more divisive and insular and less inclusive. I know, but at the same time, that goes against... Uh, what's happening in the world you know yeah. I mean because everything is more multicultural like yeah. like like living in the in the in the US or in London or, you know and, 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 and pretending things not to be um, mixed or or, or yeah. like the whole white suprema it just doesn't make any sense it's just yeah. it's, 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 well I mean I, mean, I, made, I like, made the point to a friend of mine from Britain who spent during the Brexit thing that was like are you telling me that Britain was less fascist in the 1970s with all the football hooliganism and the you know there was there was an awful lot of that going on way back then way before the common market and it's it's, it's well, like I guess said, something maybe that just is amplified by technology now I'll get, I guess in Europe it, it, it's sort of really at the end of the day it's all about immigrants and it's even worse than that at the end of the day it's all about taxes to That's pay for the immigrants yeah yeah, yeah pay for the immigrants Listen, I, I talked to a lot of Republican friends here, and I said, okay, so you're willing to let 
all these really stupid bad things happen. People deciding on oh, if, if a woman should have a baby or not instead of her deciding that or, or, or like stupid things oh, like that yes. just to save money on your taxes. Out of the 20 things that I can mention to you, the only thing that you would agree is like, I want to pay less taxes. A lot of that is happening in Europe too. People are, are fed up with immigrants. But also the taxes, it's becoming a huge issue. How much people have to pay and also when they see what they do with those taxes, you know, it's like... You know, that's where a lot of the conflict, uh, I think, comes from. Just before we finish, uh, what, what, uh, what would you say to your younger self, uh, looking back on your career and, and your childhood, and, or to somebody who's following in your footsteps? Wow. Um, I guess the, the reason why I um, enjoy uh, what I do so much is because I really don't give a shit about it. I, I do believe that in life there are many, many other great things to do other than <laughs> advertising. Yeah. I used to teach at the Miami Art School and, and that was my first advice to, to, to kids. I said, guys, there are many other great things. If, if you don't really love this, it's not worth it. I think it's important that you keep in, in your life, you explore many things and you keep a lot of things going on that, that interest you. You know, not just one thing. I, I have friends that all they do is advertising. They talk about advertising, sleep about advertising, you know, all, yeah. all the time. And at some point, it's like, man, get a fucking life, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it's important to, to do a lot of things because if it's all, all about one thing, then when you don't have that thing, that, that thing owns, owns your happiness. Uh, and that's a problem. I've seen that happening. I don't know. I've been always super curious and I like to explore different things. And yeah. In my case, I'm, I'm, uh, I like to do snowboarding or kite surfing. Th- those things are my my meditation. You know, like yeah. like I like to combine the physical with the with the intellectual. You know, in a way, I think it's the right balance. But I don't know. That's a good place to leave it, Jose. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out to talk to me on a pint with Shawnee B. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, man. I found out a lot more about you. We met we met in Cannes briefly this summer and we had dinner, but I found out, of course, an awful lot more about you than we're in this mm-hmm. intimate setting. So thank you very much and best of luck with your companies in the future. Thank you. I hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>